As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Wendy. And it's Jess. And you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for delicious and nutritious living. This episode is sponsored by DreamCloud, an affordable and luxury mattress company that provides all the support and comfort you need to ensure you're getting the best sleep possible. DreamCloud mattresses have an eight-layer construction and are made with cashmere blend cover materials so that you can live your best life while getting in those ease. I actually have a DreamCloud mattress myself and it is literally everything. It hugs an all the right places when I lay down. And the best part is that thanks to the cooling system that's integrated into the mattress, I don't feel hot and sweaty while I'm sleeping. Go to foodheavenmadeeasy.com slash dream right now and use the code FOOD to get $200 off your Dream Cloud mattress. You'll be able to try out the mattress for a whole year, y'all. And if you're not satisfied, no questions asked, Dream Cloud will give you a full refund and will come and pick up your mattress. Again, foodheavenmadeeasy.com slash dream and use the code FOOD to get $200 off your mattress. We'll also include the link in the show notes. Let's get into our episode. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. Hey. Today we're talking with our girl Whitney English, registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and the founder of the website YouTube channel, which we are fangirls over here. Totally. Whitney E.R.D. Whitney's mission is to help readers make educated decisions about the food they eat by providing evidence-based information on popular nutrition topics and sharing healthy original recipes that fit her predominantly plant-based nutrition philosophy. She's been featured on outlets like Good Day LA, Bon Appetit, People, Today's Dietitian, BuzzFeed, HuffPost, and many, many more. On her YouTube channel, you can find Whitney whipping up delicious recipes and breaking down the science behind confusing nutrition topics like this one that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, so today we have a really good topic that is super confusing, and we're going to talk all about <laughs> organic and non-GMO foods, GMO versus non-GMO. Should we be eating them? Are they safe? What does the science have to say? And we have seen the chaos and confusion that these labels can create, and oftentimes consumers like you are left feeling like they can't eat anything with a peace of mind. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Whitney. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. Yes, we, we absolutely we love you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fangirl as well in the podcast and everything. So oh, thank you. To be here today. Yeah. So we're gonna jump right in. So my first question is, what's been your experience with consumers as it relates to the whole organic slash like non-GMO GMO topic? Are people usually confused or are they anti yes. these foods? Yeah. Give us a breakdown. <laughs> 
Yes, confused. Confused is the main word that I hear. Um, even coming from very educated people who are really aware of the food that they're eating when it comes to organic and non-GMO, people just don't really know in some cases, what exactly it means in the case of GMOs and, and in the case of organics, they don't know about really whether science actually supports the benefits of it. So I think consumers really, really don't know what to do. And then, and there's a lot of fear mongering going on surrounding both of them. So uh, some people I think feel probably paralyzed at the grocery store trying to choose between all these decisions. Exactly. And I think with all the labels, too, like people just feel like very hopeless with their food choices and they feel like everything is out here trying to kill them. So (laughs) that's why I'm so excited that we're talking about this because food should be a very enjoyable experience. And um, yeah, like all these labels kind of just makes things very scary and intimidating and overwhelming. So I want to clear up the confusion. And I, I was wondering if you could get into what this means, specifically organic non-GMO, kind of breaking the, the definitions down in a very um, basic way. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, hopefully we can clear up some of the confusion for people and remove some of that fear. Um, I guess number one is just understanding what they mean. So both organic and non-GMO refer to processes uh, used to create our food. So specifically for organic, it refers to crops that have been grown without the use of synthetic chemicals, sewage sludge, irradiation, and genetic engineering, which is what is uh, refers to GMOs, basically. Um, it also it was created in order to um, protect the environment and really create sustainability within agriculture. So it focuses on things like improving water quality and soil fertility and conserving biodiversity through practices like crop rotation and cover crops. And then when it comes to animal agriculture, it means that animals were raised without the use of antibiotics or hormones. They were fed 100% organic feed, and then they're subject to certain lifestyle conditions like pasture grazing for a certain amount of time for cows, for instance. Uh, Non-GMO, on the other hand, refers to a process um, that takes genes from one species and inserts it into the DNA of another species. And this is done on plants and animals, and it's done to improve certain properties. So, for example, this year they recently released some apples that were engineered to prevent browning. Um, Other practices will uh, increase the nutrient content of certain foods. Or in the case of animals, um, genetically engineered salmon were approved, I think it was last year as well, and they were engineered to grow faster. Um, And anything that is organic is non-GMO. So genetically modified organisms are not allowed in organic agriculture. However, non-GMO does not necessarily mean organic. Okay, so I guess my next question is, now that you've kind of cleared that up, is there a valid case for pesticide use and for GMO foods? Many scientists, we know, dietitians and others in the health um, care industry don't really see these things as an issue. So what's your take kind of when it comes to the science and like, is there a reason to be using these techniques? Sure. So, I mean, it's a very murky issue and there are pros and cons to both sides of the argument. Um, as an evidence-based dietitian, I can really 
tease out both of those. So I don't take too hard of a stand on either side of the fence. But um, a poll in 2015, for example, showed that 88% of scientists deemed GMOs as perfectly safe. Like you said, it's a, it's a kind of a huge discrepancy between what the academic world feels and what the public feels. Um, so I'll, I'll try to tease out some of those issues. Um, on the one hand, studies have shown that GMO crops can increase yields. A lot of people have, uh, a lot of scientists believe that it is helping to fight world hunger. They increase profits for farmers and in some cases have decreased pesticide use. Um, on the other hand, for GMOs, in some cases it's actually increased pesticide use. So certain plants are genetically engineered to be herbicide resistant, and in that case, that means that they can use more of the pesticide glyphosate, for instance. These are called Roundup-ready crops, and those are on soy and corn, and basically since the, the pesticide Roundup doesn't kill the crop, they, and it only kills the, the, the weeds, they can use more of it. So in, that's an instance where possibly more pesticides are being used. But in other cases, with insect-resistant crops, they actually then don't have to use as many pesticides because now they don't have to worry about insects attacking the crops. Um, but some of the concerns with that is that it can create what's called, or you may have heard of the term like superbugs, so resistant insects, resistant weeds, resistant viruses, and we actually have some evidence that resistant weeds are be being created by these Roundup-ready uh, pesticides. But um, in, other, in other circumstances with, for instance, the superbugs or viruses, that's largely speculative. Well, like going into the concerns, because I know you mentioned like the salmon came out that um, grows quicker in size and just taking off my dietitian hat and listening to that from a, just from like a lay person's <laughs> perspective, it's a little um, scary. It's it, like, it makes me cringe a little bit. Um, so I, <laughs> I'm like, uh, what, you know, what is, what exactly is happening right. where this, <laughs> where this <laughs> is, exactly. is, is kind of getting so big. So I do want to address the concerns because I think um, that was a great point that you mentioned that so like such a high percentage of scientists, um, you know, feel safe recommending, um, you know, GMO or uh, non-organic foods, and then consumers feel the complete opposite. So what does the research have to say about the use of pesticides in our food when it comes to safety, and are some of these concerns valid? So as far as the pesticides in our food, generally, um, the research shows that the levels that they use are are safe for humans. So the EPA actually regulates how, mu how much pesticides are, about, are allowed to be used on our foods, and the WHO sets internationally accepted standards for that as well. Um, however, many of these pesticides are known to be toxic at higher levels. And so while the research doesn't currently show that the lower amounts cause any harm, we, we don't always know. So, for instance, DDT is a pesticide that was used extensively years ago and has now been banned because eventually they did find out that it was harmful to human health. So that's the thing. The research doesn't always catch up to, to what's going on in, in, in the field exactly. So that's a concern. Um, there has also been a lot, of, a lot of research recently that's shown that organics do 
possibly have um, improved nutrient profiles compared to conventional foods. So some of the recent reviews have shown higher contents of vitamin C. There was a huge uh, meta-analysis just recently that showed um, organic fruits and vegetables had higher amounts of phytochemicals. And those are the substances in fruits and vegetables that have shown to have antioxidant properties and other beneficial health properties. And that same review showed that organic fruits and vegetables had a 48% lower level of the toxic metal cadmium and four times lower amounts of pesticide residue. Um, Earlier reviews, however, showed no differences in nutritional composition. And typically we see that uh, the macronutrient composition is similar and often that the micronutrient composition is, is similar too. Um, so it's, it's kind of mixed, the research that's out there. Right. Um, but yeah. And then when it comes to animals, however, with the organic agriculture, um, animals that are raised organically tend to have higher amounts of beneficial omega-3 fatty acids and lower amounts of saturated fat. And that's been consistently shown in dairy as well as in like grass-fed beef products. Okay. And with, because I know with organic farmers, um, they oftentimes raise the point of organic farming, non-GMO farming being better for the environment. So have you read into any research about that or do you have any thoughts about that topic? Yeah. So kind of what we talked about earlier, like some of the claims are about um, as as far as the resistant resistant weeds and, and, and superbugs, those are still still debatable, but there are other environmental impacts like soil enrichment, which I, I definitely think there's good, good uh, research supporting the fact that organic agriculture uh, improves, improves soil quality, which could be one of, one of the many reasons potentially that um, organic produce tends to have more of these beneficial compounds. So one thing that we get from patients a lot is you know they get worried like we said that organic it has to be organic it has to be non-gmo and mm-hmm. they're, they're working with a limited budget and so the takeaway that they get from the media is that you know if i'm not going to do organic fruits and vegetables produce then i'm not going to do any produce at all <laughs> and so mm-hmm. um, so my question is are the risks of pesticides outweighed um by eating conventional whole foods. So in other words, should people be avoiding fruits and vegetables if they're not organic? Right. Uh, Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So while the research does potentially, it's it's mixed, like we just talked about on on the use of pesticides, and we can talk more a little bit about the mixed research on, on GMOs, the research that is solid is research on fruits and vegetables. We know that um, a higher consumption of produce leads to longer, healthier lives with less chronic disease. Like, that's undebatable across the board. So uh, if, if it's between buying conventional produce or buying no produce, I absolutely say go for the conventional produce. If you can eat organic, great, but don't let that deter you. Exactly. And I also wanted to mention that a lot of times when we go to the farmer's market, because to get that USDA organic label, it's so, so expensive for farmers. So a lot of times when people do go to the farmer's market, um, 
they can just speak to the farmer and ask them about their farming practices because they might not necessarily use pesticides, but they can't afford to get the certification. So you're still getting pretty affordable local organic produce. It just doesn't have that label on it. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, and like, for, for, so certain operations whose gross income is less than $5,000 a year don't need to uh, certify in order to sell, label, or represent their products as, as organic. Uh, so talking to people, but they, are, they can't use the organic seal. So talking to people is a good way to really find out what's going on. And some of the research even shows that even when things are organic, they can also have, tend to have some pesticide residues in some cases because of crossovers from nearby farms. So you're not always 100% guaranteed that you're getting a better product. Just because some of the research suggests slight improvements doesn't mean it's all that much better. Um, and then additionally, there's, there's the issue of locality. Like you said, uh, fruits and vegetables, the longer that they are out from from after being picked, the the more their nutrient profile decreases um, as far as, like, phytochemicals go. So the, when you're getting things that are fresh, they're probably going to have a higher nutrient profile than something that maybe has been on a truck or shipped overseas. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, do you know, like, are there regulations on GMO, organic labeling? Yeah, so organic is... is regulated by the USDA um, in order to put the USDA organic seal on your product. It must be 95% organic um, or to say that a product is made with organic ingredients. It has to be 70% organic. And like you talked about, companies have to actually apply for these, these, um, these seals and, and be verified that they are following organic practices. So it's highly regulated. GMOs, on the other hand, are pretty much not regulated. So in um, 2016, Obama passed a law that would require labeling, but the terms were very uh, undefined. And so they, they talked about options like having a 1-800 number on a package or a QR code where consumers could call and find out if the food is non-GMO, but it wouldn't specifically state it on the package. And that bill gave companies and the government two years to establish set standards. So that's going to be coming up in July of this year. And hopefully that'll get cleared up because right now there's, there's just no standards. So there are third-party independent um, companies like the Non-GMO Project, which is a nonprofit organization where companies can apply for verification. And that's, that's pretty much the, the best bet you have in verifying if something is GMO, if that's, if that's a concern to you. And you can look for that on labels. It has a little butterfly with a green check mark. Great. That was actually our next question was how <laughs> um, can people know whether or not their food is 
organic or non-GMO. So it sounds like with organic, it's typically mentioned certified organic on the label. Um, but there's a lot of companies who potentially are having organic growing practices that don't have the budget to necessarily get that certification. So we can have that conversation with our local farmers. And then with GMO, it sounds like there's no standard right now, but it's something that is kind of in the process of coming in the next couple of years. Am I saying that correctly? Okay. Yeah. So Whitney, for people that are concerned about limiting their exposure to foods that have pesticides and GMOs, what are some practical things that they can do? Well, first off, I'd want to ease anyone's fears about genetically modified products. At at this time, the consensus in the scientific community, as I already said, um, is that they are safe for human health. And, And most of these products that have been on the market for a while, usually the soy, corn, um, they've, they've been, they've been tested for, for many years and seem to have similar nutrition profiles. Um, on the flip side, we're introducing new genetically engineered products onto the market all the time that don't have as much research to them. And even the fact that GMO products have actually only been on the market altogether since the late nineties. So the data that we have is, is still is still up for debate. I mean, the the GMO products that are in the market are are likely safe, but we really don't know about the long term effects or about the effects of new products that are going to be introduced. So, with that said, if people want to limit their exposure, one, whenever you buy organic, that also means non GMO. Um, and another good option for buying organic, if you are concerned about prices, is to look for the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 list. So that separates the produce that has been is most likely to have lower amounts of pesticide residues. That would be the Clean 15 list. And then their Dirty Dozen list is their list of, of produce that is most likely to have higher pesticide residues. And they revise this list every year after testing tons and tons of samples to get these averages. So on the Dirty Dozen list, for example, that includes foods like strawberries, spinach, nectarines, apples, while the Clean 15 list includes things like corn, avocado, pineapple, cabbage. And you can see those tend to be the things where you remove the skin before you eat them. So that kind of makes sense that if they were sprayed with a lot of pesticides, you remove the skin, it might have less residue. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great tip. And that's something that we also use as well. Yeah, we do. The <laughs> Dirty Dozen and Cleave 15. So thank you so much for sharing those resources. And thank you for your time and your expertise. This information is going to be extremely useful for our listeners. And hopefully it'll motivate them to make more educated food choices. Uh, Whitney, tell us about where our listeners can find you and keep up with all the great things that you're doing. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, you can find more information on my website, which is WhitneyERD.com. Awesome. Yeah, we'll also include the links to Whitney's handles in the show notes. So make sure to go there. And we love her show. So you guys really need to subscribe to her channel. All right. So uh, thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes right now. The more reviews we get, the higher we're ranked in iTunes, which means we reach more people. And you guys 
guys make sure to connect with us online as well. We are on Instagram at Food Heaven Show and also Twitter, the same handle. And we're on Facebook at Food Heaven Made Easy. For those of you who just started tuning in, our podcast is released every Wednesday. And in each episode, we cover tips and tricks for making lifelong, sustainable, healthy changes to upgrade your diet and health. We also interview leading experts in the field of health and nutrition to pick their brains on how you can cultivate a healthy life that you love. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.